Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Isaac, and you're listening to the Gentleman's Atlas podcast, where we provide you with honest and authentic conversation to assist you in becoming the hero of your story and live life on your terms. I'm excited for the message in today's conversation. So let's get right into today's episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode on the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. Thank you all for tuning in today. And today I have a special guest interview for you guys today. This interview is going to be something where you're going to learn what it is to network with others, to meet others, to connect with others, and what it means and how it can help you advance in your career, but what it also means in relationship building and building relationships that last, not because they're transactional, but because you have a connection with someone else, because you can actually help someone else improve their life, see growth in their life, and you can both grow together and build long-lasting communities. My guest interview speaker today is going to be someone that is someone who's very genuine, who cares a lot about what he does and has a story that really ties into his values and principle system. So without further ado, let me bring on Ben Cooper from Pre-Law Pro. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. That's uh, quite an introduction. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Well, Ben, I think the best way to start, of course, would be to get to know what it is that brought you here today, as well as some of the things that you do currently. I think, yeah, I guess the only way to really do that is to give you a little bit of background. Uh, you can tell, obviously, not from the United States. I grew up in a series of little country towns in Australia. And uh, for whatever reason, just had always had this this desire to travel and and honestly kind of make a life somewhere else. And I can't really tell you why that is. I don't really know. Uh, but from a really early age, I always thought, okay, I was, I'm going to relocate to England. That's where I always, for whatever reason, always wanted to end up. So I went to law school in Australia and knew that the earliest time that I could take my exams to requalify as an attorney in the UK was 25. And I had this plan from honestly, probably like in my teenage years. And then even as I turned 21, I had calendar reminders set in my Google calendar years in advance for when I needed to be doing X, Y, and Z. And I eventually moved to the UK. I was there for about five years. And then through, you know, a series of, you know, questions, I started asking myself about where I was going professionally. And in terms of my life direction, I ended up coming to the US. Uh, I was at Baylor University for almost a decade um, in different capacities, more more recently uh, as their pre-law program manager, where I advised students as I looked at different careers and then you know I eventually got married a little later in life uh, and ended up relocating to Dallas and that's where I started my firm pre-law pro and you know we have a focus obviously on legal careers but that's not just where we focus and I love doing what I do because I get to form relationships with people and I get to I get to help them realize not only their potential, but where that potential might take them. But I also get to do it in a genuine way. It, it, what I love about it is that it doesn't feel like someone's coming to me and I'm selling them a product. Definitely there's a system to it, but it's really neat to be able to build that relationship with somebody and see them grow over a period of time and, and start to really realize their potential. It's fun. That's beautiful. No, I think... Being able to see that growth, especially over the long term, like you said, it's something that gives you an energy that you don't really see anywhere else because a lot of times we we invest our time or our money or resources into something 
And a lot of times we're not able to see all the way through. And it's not a lot of times, especially that it's not another person, right? We don't, when you have an individual that you kind of invest into and give into, there's so many ways that they can grow. And so being able to see people actually start to achieve their potential is something that's so refreshing. And I think something that we both really enjoy. Um, So yeah, why don't you actually expand a little bit on that and tell me a little bit more about what it is that you love so much about what you do at this moment. Yeah, so there'll be a in in the show notes there'll be a little career a link hopefully to uh, a career plan that I've actually got for people to go and look through and work through, and I, I put that out there because that's that's relevant to what we're about to talk about. I think the toughest thing that a lot of people wrestle with, but it's also arguably the most important thing, is you have to understand yourself. You have to understand what makes you tick, what motivates you. And you also have to understand your own values. And I think the biggest hurdle to people realizing their full potential and getting to where they really hope to be is that they don't want to do that self-reflection. That self-reflection means looking at what you're really good at. It means looking at what you enjoy, what you value, whether that's creativity or flexibility or rigidity. But it also means looking at some of the stuff that you don't do well. It means looking at some of the areas where you need to grow, some of the mistakes you've made. It means looking at relationships that maybe you haven't invested in enough and maybe relationships that are super important and you need to invest in them more. And that's that's uncomfortable. And, you know, I had that happen to, my, to me in a couple of really key points in my life where I was not doing well. I was not happy. I was depressed. Uh, Things weren't going as I had planned. And part of the way out of that was doing that process of looking at, hey, here are some things that I've got going for me, but here are some areas where I need to grow. And I feel like I'm a better person as a consequence of that. And that's what I also help people kind of realize and see. And it's fun seeing that growth, even though it might be painful at times too. Yeah, I've always had this idea that in life we kind of have those times where we're out in the light where we're able to kind of you know you know feel more positive and be able to kind of see a little more of the fruits of our labor and then we have those other times where it's like i don't know if you're familiar with photography but they have like that dark room photography Mm -hmm. where they have to have it in that you know completely dark room where they have it immersed in water and there's some times in life where we're in those situations where we're in this dark room and a lot of times it can be scary it can be uncomfortable, very uncomfortable, it can be unnerving. And we often don't know what it is we're meant to be doing or why we aren't happy. And I think that there's always that uncomfortable idea of getting to know ourselves better and to do that kind of reflection that you just mentioned. And the interesting part about it is that sometimes we get so caught up in the pain that we only see from coming from kind of going into this self-reflection journey And we don't see the pain of not going through it, right? We don't see sometimes how long we're going to prolong the suffering that we're in because we're unable to talk to ourselves and because we're unable to be honest with ourselves. So I think it's something that you've grown to realize. And is it something that you help others realize or do you focus more on that support system aspect or is it a bit of both? Talk to me. I I hope it's a bit of both. And I, I honestly don't know how you can help someone and not address both of those things uh, because you can put someone in a different career path. That's, that's actually fairly straightforward. 
But if you don't help them develop themselves as a person, if you don't help them understand what they're really motivated by, they might go to that different career and 18 months be in the exact same place. So I would say it's a little bit of a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, it is interesting that you talk about you could just put them in a different career path. And it, it's very true that a lot of people can be good at a lot of different things. But the truth of the matter is that unfortunately, it doesn't mean it's going to be make them happy, right? You can be good at coding. You can be good at math. You can be good at finances. Yeah. But if you don't really have that tie to a purpose, right? And a purpose involves fulfillment, you're never going to truly find happiness. And I think that's something you probably realized. I assume you've been good at different things and be able to pick up very quickly at different things. But the level of fulfillment wasn't all the same. And I think to extend to that, it always does tie back to that self-reflection. And I also think it comes back to when you're able to better understand yourself, I think you're also in a better situation to understand and help others. Like, I don't think you would be able to do what you do if you didn't have a high enough level of self-reflection. What do you think about that? I, I, I agree. And I, I, I like myself now more than I did when I was younger. And I think it's in large part because I went through some really difficult stuff that was not fun, emotionally very difficult. Um, and we've all, you know, I'm not special. We've all gone through these things, but I think it was those difficulties that helped me develop. I think some of those skills, the resilience that's been very helpful. Now you, you spoke a little bit about purpose. What has been interesting to me working with college students and young professionals, you know, and I'm, I'm a millennial just, uh, and I was always told by society, I could do whatever I wanted. You know, this was the narrative of of the world, you know, just if you want it, you can do it. Dream it, dreamer. Uh, and I started in an age where participation trophies weren't as big a thing, but they were definitely a thing. And I was told if I do everything right, I'll have a great life and I'll be happy. And I hustled. I got good grades. I went into a profession that everyone told me was going to be prestigious and well-paid and would make me successful. And I liked being in law school, there were parts of being a lawyer I really liked, but I neglected a lot of the other things that I've since realized are important. I've also realized that when you tell people that if you find what you love, you'll never work a day in your life, you're telling them a lie. If you go and talk to a professional athlete, I guarantee you when they were a child, they spent time in bed, unable to sleep, dreaming of what it was like to pay this to play their sport professionally. And now that they're a professional, they probably still enjoy their sport, but there are times they don't want to travel. There are times they don't want to do the weight work in the gym. There are times where they'd probably be rather be at home with their family than playing that game that they're being paid to play. It doesn't mean they don't enjoy it, but it's called work for a reason. I love what I do. But I'd be lying to you if I said every single day of my life, I feel like doing it. That's normal. And what I hope to help people do is to marry what they're good at with a sense of purpose. Because if you can find what you're good at, you will start to derive a sense of confidence and joy from being good at that thing. And when you're good at that thing, you begin to find that purpose and meaning. But you also can use that and branch it out into other parts of your life, whether that's being a parent, being a spouse, 
investing in other people around you, being a mentor to some younger people who maybe need that guidance and can learn from your experience, or maybe it's a cause that you invest yourself in. But the idea that we have to find all our purpose and meaning from our career, I think is deceptive. And I also think that we tell ourselves a lie if we think, even though we might be doing something we're good at and we enjoy, that it's never going to feel like work. And what I hope to help people do is to realize, hey, there's a way we can pay your passions and incorporate them into your life without necessarily having to stake your entire professional happiness and life happiness on finding you know, a job that just feels like a dream every single day. What you want is a career that meets most of your values most of the time. Yeah, that's that's a lot well said. And a lot of that stuff is stuff that I've personally seen how good it can be to come from that aspect of having that well-balanced life, of having what I call the seven you know, aspects of the wheel of success, right? Not just your career, but your family, your mental health, your spiritual health, your physical health. Sure. But something that I really want to unpack that I just love what you said is the idea that if you find what you enjoy and love, you'll never work a day in your life being a lie. Because yeah, like you said, it's a misconception that people don't really understand. And there's a lot of ways you can go about it. And I think I think about the difference between like hustling and grinding something out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times there's a difference between, you know, maybe it's not that you love what you're doing, but you love why you're doing it. And so again, if a, if it, a why is connected to it, there's a deeper correlation. Doesn't mean it's going to be favorable every day, but again, you're dealing with that upward trend. And it applies to not just in careers, but in relationships. Like marriages, for example, are the exact same way. Just because you find someone that you have a connection with and that it shares similar values doesn't mean it's not going to be that, that that's going to mean perfect. And it oh, it's going to be mean, work. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, it's when you have a tie and you have a purpose tie or you have a career that's tied to a purpose, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have some days where you wake up and you're like, I do not want to do this. It means you're going to have that feeling that, you know, even if I don't want to do it, I'm going to try to make this work. I, I have the energy to try to push through because I think that what happens is if you go through something, whether it's a relationship or a marriage um, or a career that just isn't right for you, right? It doesn't share those necessary values. There's going to come a point where you're like, I can no longer give to this. Like there is no aspect where I can give to this. And so I think it's that ultimate realization that the values are kind of away from it. And I think a lot of people realize this in a lot of different aspects. But like you said, the work is a necessary part. And I recently had a conversation with someone else about it. And I said, it's not that the work changes, it's that how you see the work changes, right? You don't need to feel like going into work every day. But if you kind of change your, I have to go into work with, I get to go into work, I get to help people, it kind of starts disregarding your feelings a little bit more. And it starts going back to why the reason you do it. And while it may not be enough to change your mood or the outlook of that day, it is a nice add to kind of realize that you're working for a bigger calling than just yourself. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about a couple of those things. So I think the first thing is if you find purpose, if your purpose is your career, right? What purpose do you have when you retire? What purpose do you have if a business goes under? And you no longer have that job. So this idea that your career is your purpose in life, I really do think is, is a lie. What I really encourage people 
to do is to figure out what are you really good at? Because you might be a really gifted coder, okay? If we can figure out a way to make you really good at that, just being really good will give you a sense of satisfaction. But you can use that ability to earn a living, to take care of yourself and your family, and then you can also find purpose outside of that, giving to somebody else, giving to some other cause, investing in other people. That's where the real purpose comes from. Because if our purpose is totally tied to our job, what is the point of life and what is our purpose if we no longer work or if we have an accident? So you've got to find a purpose that's above and beyond just the job. And part of what I do is help people realize, what are you good at? Because as I said, being proficient helps you develop a sense of meaning and purpose. But it's about figuring out what your values are professionally. So here's what I mean by that. And I don't mean be nice to people because that's not going to help you narrow this down. But it is, Do you, for example, do you like being in a team or do you prefer to work on your own? Do you need creativity or are you okay in a workplace that's more process-driven? Do you like a variety? So maybe you prefer to be a contractor where you're in constant constant flux or do you like somewhere where you can kind of invest and be there for a period of time? And then what you want to do is find that job and find that profession where most of those values are met most of the time. And then some of that purpose is going to overflow into the rest of your life. Yeah. And this is this is kind of where this, the importance of these relationships that you mentioned at the start these are the things that start to give you a real rich purpose and a real rich meaning in life above and beyond what you do to earn a, to earn a paycheck. And even if you, I love being an entrepreneur, I love what I do helping people, but if that's all I do and I don't have meaningful relationships outside of that, people to invest in and people who invest in me, yeah, what's it all about? Yeah, no, that's, it's such a big component. I think, a lot of times, too, people don't realize it until way later. Sometimes they push so hard for one thing and then they look around and they kind of have that huge success and it's empty, right? It's success that feels empty. And it's because, like you said, that you've done and then you've been able to kind of fix and overcome is that you neglect very important aspects of your life. And again, sometimes if you just don't have those people to share it with, when you've worked so hard and when you've done what you felt like you were meant to do, you know, as humans, we have that need to build connections and to build relationships. And if you don't fulfill that, you're really going to have that emptiness. You're going to look around and see nothing but your success alone. And that to me, I think is, you know, one of the curses of success, if you're going to call it that, is that if you kind of neglect other areas of your part, to get success in one area, the repercussions can often be greater than what we're what we're used to. And again, too, like you said, in identifying what you want, a career can't be a purpose, right? It can't just be that. You have to be bigger than that. You have to think bigger than that. A purpose, in a sense, is an entire vision for all aspects of your life that's greater than your life. A purpose isn't something that you accomplish. A purpose is something that you live through. You accomplish goals. You make dreams a reality. You can take a vision and make it a reality. But a purpose is what you continue doing, right? If you're an innovator and you do that through entrepreneurship, your purpose isn't one company. Your purpose is companies. Your purpose is 
coaching. Your purpose is mentorship. Your purpose is invention. So it's this idea that you have to tie back to a bigger point, a bigger calling. And that doesn't just mean professionally, as we've said, but if your idea is innovation, right? How do you innovate in relationships? How do you add value in relationships and add meaningful connections, right? Even as simple as gift gilding or um, gift um, giving, you're innovating in ways that you do that. So it applies in all areas. It's consistent. And so I think something that we have to understand as individuals is how are we taking our purpose and instilling it in all faucets of life, not just the career aspect. I, I agree. I mean, I think this is where my experience in the UK was a very, it was a turning point for me. Uh, I went to the UK because I, I thought that's where I wanted to make uh, a life. But I also knew that professionally that was going to supercharge my career. And a bunch of people had told me going to the UK at that time was a big mistake and then I would fail. And I was driven to build a career and I didn't really understand why I was doing it. I didn't have some greater purpose that was pushing me other than I thought I had to be successful and that was the way to do it. And then I got to a point where I'd been in the UK, I was working at a large international firm uh, and I just didn't really know what was next or why I was really doing any of it. And that led me to, you know, a point where I really started to think like, what am I, what am I going to do? Cause I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And that's where I started to wrestle with, okay, do I stay in the UK? Do I go back to Australia or do I go and do, you know, something a little different? And that's what ultimately led me to, to make the jump to the U S because I needed a change. I needed a break. I needed to recalibrate my priorities and honestly, I'd gotten to a point where my health was not great. Uh, and I was just working. That's literally all I was doing. And that's where I had to draw the line and say, okay, I, I, need, to, I need to make some changes and reevaluate. Because I didn't have a purpose that was underlying everything. Yeah. And I think what happens is, is that we often tread door, like we tread on these paths that lead away from who we are in our purpose. And I think a lot of times we're not, it's like the small things that continue to add up. And then it gets to a point where either it kind of reveals itself because it's become such a pressing problem, or there's some sort of catalyst that we basically see hindering the life in a sense. So what I mean by that is either you go towards a path and you wake up one day and you just realize that, you know, the last months or years just haven't been what they needed to be for you and how unhealthy it is. Mm -hmm. Or a lot of times it's, you know, one of those big life moments, an injury happens, a death in the family, an illness, something that shakes up your life. And that forces you to look back because a lot of times we're so caught up, not necessarily in the present, but just kind of not even thinking about where our life is, where it's been and where it's going. And I think that when we get to those points, it can be very scary especially if we haven't gone towards a path that was really good for us. Like you said, when it kind of stacked up with your health and stuff like that, it gets to a point where you're like, wow, like I've spent all this time going towards a, a negative path in a sense or a path necessarily not negative that that wasn't meant for me. And I think that in those moments, 
that's where we can really change our life for the better, or we continue to do the same stuff that hasn't been helping us. So how do you think is the best way to go about taking advantage of our realizations in life and taking advantage of those opportunities to change for the better? Honestly, I think the first thing is you just got to recognize that you're going in the wrong direction. And that's not, that's not easy to do. Um, and in, you know, in the context of law and banking, we talk about these things called the golden handcuffs. And it's where you get into a, a job or a profession where you're being paid very well, but you don't want to do it anymore. But you've become accustomed to a certain paycheck, a certain standard of living. And that can become that can become something that drags you down. It makes it very difficult to change. And so you have to first realize that you're not actually happy. It's very easy to plaster over these things with fancy meals or a vacation to a fancy place that you then leave and come back to a life that you're not happy living. So you first of all have to recognize that something's not right. Then you have to be willing to recognize that in order to get out of the situation that you're in, you're going to have to make some changes. And that is not always fun. It's often very difficult. It might mean changing your standard of living or lifestyle. It can also mean getting rid of some relationships in your life that aren't helpful. I've got a lot of clients who are dragged down because they have friends that make decisions that pull them down. And, and this is where, you know, we talked at the very beginning of this about the importance of meaningful relationships those relationships and the quality of those relationships is very important, but who those relationships are with is equally important. It's very easy to have very tight relationships, meaningful relationships with people that are pulling you in the wrong direction. And you have to be willing to make some of those tough changes. And, and sometimes that means leaving those uh, unhelpful relationships behind as well as making some, some tough lifestyle decisions. So, you know, for example, when I decided I wanted to go to the US, I initially went there to study uh, a degree in theology. And that meant I had to change my lifestyle. That meant I had to not have my own apartment anymore, which in London is, you know, was a very significant expense. I had to go and move in with seven other random people that I didn't know in order to save money to be able to sustain myself when I went to a graduate program. Uh, you know, I had to really invest in the relationships that I had while I was still there so that I could continue those relationships long after I left. And I had to reevaluate what it meant to be successful because I wasn't probably going to get to that, that salary and that lifestyle again, at least for a very long time. And it was tough and I, it was humbling. And that's the other thing is we have to be willing to realize I need to start over again. And that's, that's difficult, but I also am glad for the process because it, I think helped me become a better version of myself. Victor Frankl said in Man's Search for Meaning that a lot of times we look to life and ask life what our meaning is, but we never stop to consider the idea of what if life was the one asking the question to you, what is your meaning? Mm. We are the ones being asked, not the other way around. And I think for me, that was such an inspiring book of Man's Search for Meaning because it's a great I don't know book. if you're familiar You're familiar with it. Yeah, Absolutely yeah, fantastic book. And something that is very humbling, something that is that shows you that life is so much more than just money. Not to say that money isn't important and can be a good tool for some stuff, 
But this idea of respecting money, this idea of putting money on a pedestal has no merit, right? All it is, is a tool, a resource, and an amplifier. And I think something that's much more important is, again, the things that matter in life and the things that stick around. And real quick to sidetrack to your point about it's easy to stay in relationships with people that are pulling you in the wrong direction. We, Our mind seeks comfort. It seeks that kind of thing. That's what we're used to, right? That's the entire idea to protect ourselves. Our mind thinks it's best to protect ourselves by staying in these comfortable relationships. And sometimes we have to do what's uncomfortable in order to grow in ways we would never see before. And it's not until we get that growth that we actually see how meaningful and inspiring that growth is. And to tie back to the point with the humbleness, I think when we realize just how much we can really begin to enjoy the company of ourselves and our own thoughts and the relationships without any of the distractions that we face in modern day society, life begins to change a whole lot for the better. It's funny because I actually told a, a story about this to a friend. I'll tell it to you. Um, I was up in New York for uh, a networking event, something I was invited to. And New York's got a lot of good places to eat. So I'm experiencing new things. And one of the places I went to uh, was without the group. So this time I was just completely alone. And I I decided, I was like, I'm going to leave all devices, headphones, everything. And I'm just going to go to this restaurant. I'm not take anything with me except my wallet. Mm-hmm. And I go and I get, they had, it was fresh seafood. So I got like an entire like um, plate of oysters, right? So different kind of like salinities. I really like seafood. And I'm sitting there and I'm eating it like extremely slowly. And I'm just kind of savoring the moments. And it was like looking around without the distractions, with forcefully saying no to the distractions. I grasped so much meaning outside of myself and what was happening in that situation. That to me brought me so much peace and perspective on a lot of things. But my point to why I say it is that when we're able to free ourselves from our current comfort and our current distractions and our current idea of what it is that we hold true to ourselves, we might be able to see the possibilities of what it is to know more and not more in a monetary sense, but more in a spiritual and perspective sense. And I think that that's such a humbling perspective because humbleness doesn't come without that perspective part. If we don't have perspective, it's very hard to be humble because we don't see it from the lens of someone else other than our own. Yeah, and I, I think too, it's it's really happy, sorry, it's really hard to be happy with someone else unless you've learned to be happy on your own. You know, and you know, I'm 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 a Christian, but I also think there's a lot of value in stoicism in yeah. this idea that, you know, the 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 challenge the the challenge is the way. You know, and and by going through life, you know, you can't ask to become stronger if you're not forced to carry more weight. You can't be more courageous if you're not put in situations where you have to encounter fear. And, you know, I went through periods where I was very lonely, to be real frank with you. And it was hard, you know, traveling, being in a different country, all on your own. But now I look back on it and I'm I'm grateful for it because it taught me how to kind of look within myself and realize I have to become a better person in order to like myself more. And I have to find purpose 
you know, outside of outside of the world. I know that sounds like this cheap throwaway line, and and I know that. But here's what I mean. I have a very good friend who's gone through a bunch of different trainings with the army, and one one was ranger school. And he would tell me the story about, you know, being in this trench, soaked with rain, freezing cold, three o'clock in the morning, you know, eating nothing but MREs and just life sucking. And he told me, he was like, I had to keep telling myself that I don't have to do this. I get to, I chose to be here. And he kept telling himself that rather than this being something that he has to just embrace and just suck he was like i get to this i chose to do this this leads me to where i want to be and so you know when you're making a career change for example there are going to be difficult things there are going to be periods where it's not particularly fun and this attitude of being grateful for challenge doesn't stop things being uncomfortable it doesn't stop things sucking but it gives you a motivation and a purpose which is what we've talked a lot about to move through it knowing that at the end of this the feeling of knowing that you've overcome something, it justifies and um, it allows you to go through those difficult things knowing that there's something good there at the end and you can be grateful for it. Yeah. No, there's a lot of stuff there that I absolutely love how you said it and really the message within what you said. But the one thing I really want to talk about at this moment is that idea of stoicism. So again, I don't look at Stoicism as a religion. I look at it as a philosophy, which I assume you see it in a similar lens. Um, But for me, it's something that's so powerful because it basically says, if you just focus first on everything that's in your control and you see it as an opportunity for you to become better than you were yesterday, you are going to lead basically the most fulfilling life that is possible, right? Because you're getting adversity, you're getting the successes, you're staying grounded, whether it is a hardship or it's a win, right? Stoicism isn't just about seeing obstacles as good things, but it's also about staying grounded when you have those good things and understand that everything will not last in a certain extent. Those feelings are temporary. Even happiness in itself isn't you get to a certain point in life and you're happy or you get some certain monetary things and you're happy. No, happiness is a state and it fluctuates. But if you're seeking, not seeking, but if you're getting fulfillment by doing what is meaningful, you're going to have an overall kind of state of happiness, right? It might not be consistent every day, which goes back to that idea that you said of, you know, every day is not going to feel, or if you do love what you do, you never work a day in your life. But it's this idea of seeing everything as for you opportunities and pushing through things will make you exactly who you need to be, right? The obstacle is the way. The idea that what is challenging you, what is pushing you, what is making you want to give up is the exact way that you could win. But if you give up, you have a 100% chance of never becoming who you are meant to be. That is the day you really fail. But until then, failure doesn't really exist. It's just lessons that you learn. It's temporary lessons that will stay with you forever, but they won't hold you back from accomplishing what you set out to do. Stoicism Stoicism is this idea that the truest nobility lies in being superior to one's former self, as Ernest Hemingway once said. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's the key. Happiness is not really what I would encourage anyone 
to pursue. It's joy. And joy, I think, is really only found as a state when you allow yourself to go through some of these really tricky things. And it's that feeling of joy that you get from pursuing something. Uh, anyone who's tried to lose weight, anyone who's tried to build a business, there's that joy that comes from the work, even though the work in and of itself might not make you happy. It's that pursuit of something that I think is your real, real joy. Yeah, absolutely. Joy is something that's very important. And something that I've also said about happiness is that it's a byproduct of doing what's meaningful to you. It's not the destination and it's never should be your goal, right? It's going to come as fruits of your labor, just as a lot of times money is too. When you add value to someone else's life, when you add value and contribute to society, that's really where the money comes in at that point. Not that we're talking about its importance, but we're talking about how when your focus is the purpose, when the focus is the meaning, when the focus is doing what you're good at, what helps others, what you're passionate about, the byproducts of that is going to be leaving a legacy, is going to be supporting families. It's going to be supporting your own family. It's really this idea that you're bearing the burden of responsibility with pride, with your shoulders back and your chest out. And you're saying that no matter what life is, no matter the days that I'm down, I will continue to show up and do what is meant for me to do because that is my calling. That is my responsibility that I'm willing to bear proudly. Now you have three ways of looking at responsibility. Either you can attempt to avoid it. You can bear it kind of hunched over saying, what was me and complaining about how hard life is? Yeah. Or you can bear it proudly and say, this is what I meant to do. I am the only one that is capable of doing my individual purpose. And there's no greater way to live than that. Well, I, I love I love the example that Jordan Peterson gives about how you want to be the man or woman, man or woman at a funeral, at a parent's funeral where you can keep yourself together and you can be strong for everyone else around you. You know, we're not all going to go to war, thankfully. We're not all going to face life's greatest treacheries and, and challenges but there are opportunities for us to be strong for others and to be that person at your parents' funeral where you can be strong and resilient and a source of strength for everybody else around you. And, yeah. you know, this, this, this might be a good juncture to, to jump into, you know, relationships and, and building, you know, a meaningful network. Yeah. Because I, I think when a lot of people think about this stuff, rightly, they feel a bit icky because it has a reputation as being that slick process where we go through, we exchange cards and we figure out who we can find and how we can extract something from somebody. And that's not real networking. That's not real relationship building. That's not the kind of relationship that when your car breaks down at three o'clock in the morning, you can call someone and say, Hey, can you come and give me a hand? That's not the kind of relationship where you can ring somebody and say, Hey, you know, my wife just had a miscarriage. I need to talk to somebody. You know, they're the kinds of relationships that mean something, that have purpose. And you can build a network professionally that leads to those kinds of relationships without it being transactional. 
And unfortunately, it's something not a lot of us know how to do anymore because especially with millennials and Gen Z, we've just been so tied to interactions over technology and transactional relationships, whether that's sexual, interpersonal, business, and we've lost that ability to be able to have meaningful conversations with people. I can't tell you how many of my clients are absolutely terrified of picking up the phone and talking to a stranger. And that's, that's really sad. And that's one of the things, you know, we, we work on and I help them develop some of those skills, but as a consequence, we've lost the ability to have really meaningful relationships. And there's, there's a lot of college students and young professionals who would much rather have conversations by text than they would on the phone, let alone, you know, in person. And that's, that's a real tragedy. Yeah, no, that's, it's something I'm very, it's one thing that I'm very passionate about because I've personally seen just how much better it is when you, you know, don't care about as many, as many people, but you start to care more about certain people and you are able to be there for them as they are for you. And it's something like, for example, in this conversation, all of this has been meaningful. And I think we've both got to see sides of each other that obviously we haven't been able to see. And it's nothing but, you know, increasing the respect that I carry for you. And with that respect, you know, it shows me the kind of caliber of person of not only what you're able to do for yourself, but what you're willing to do for others, what you're willing to sacrifice to help those that you care about. And again, in such a transactional world and in such a world where we think that a lot of our actions and decisions don't have consequences, it's something that's very important to start to realize and something that I want to talk about. There's a, there's three things I want to talk about, and I'm going to go break down the first two that are a little shorter. The first one is, you know, when you look at the people in your life, are you attracting soldiers or are you attracting mercenaries? Are you attracting people that are loyal because they care about you and they're willing to stand by you? Or are you attracting the people that are only there for the good times, only there because of what you can provide them and only are going to take? And as soon as you can't provide, they're going to leave. The second point is there's two ways of building the biggest building in town. And that's either you work with others and you do the work and you look at the vision and you actually build the tallest building or by being a parasite and just trying to leech from everyone else and looking as everything is transactional. You build the tallest building by tearing everyone else's down. And the third point I want to talk about is in my life, I've, you know, I've had the one moment I've said that's changed everything was COVID. That's when everything changed for me. But I remember the time before then, much of the things in my life were looked at as way more transactional. And I had more friends. I was in more relationships. But when I look at them and I look at the caliber of them, they don't compare to the far less but far more meaningful ones that I have now. And when I'm able to kind of filter out and really just build relationships where there's respect, where there's protection, and where I'm able to, like you said, in the Jordan Peterson example, where you're able to be a rock for other emotional beings and being able to be someone that's able to be counted on and that's wanted to be counted on, right? They actually want you there. You're just not, it, it's, it's a both of being capable and being wanted. Mm -hmm. It's something that, really makes a difference, especially when you go back to that point of if you make it to success and you don't have those relationships. Because what happens if, let's say you make a million or you make 10 million and you go to call and you can't call anyone because none of them really care about you. 
the only ones you can call may just be like, oh, let's go celebrate because they're willing to spend your money. That's right. But they don't really care. And that's the problem that a lot of times, and like I, like I mentioned, a lot of times we don't realize that all actions will have consequences. You just deem which ones are positive or negative. Yeah, you used a couple of metaphors there about building, um, you know, buildings and skyscrapers and stuff. I I love the idea. So there's a couple of things. I, I I'm just picking this metaphor off the top of my head, and I'm going to talk about careers in a metaphor. I think of it more of it like a garden. You know, these relationships you have to water and tend to a plant a long time before it bears any fruit. And so you talked about the importance of having these really meaningful, close relationships. Well, that's still a small group of people, okay? So the question then is how do you network in a way that's meaningful and has purpose and creates the kind of relationships that bear fruit down the road? You're always going to have that small group, that core group of people who you know you can call on and going to be there. But they're going to be there not just because they're there for you, but because you've been there for them. A great way for people to build some of these larger networks of people is to invest in people, is to ask them how they're doing, to take interest in other people's lives, to go out of your way to be able to help them when they need it, even though they might not expect it from you. And those relationships may never get to the level of kind of that core few people but in investing those relationships, they become more meaningful than just transactional. And they're the kind of relationships that bear fruit, even though it may not happen for quite some time down the road. And it doesn't take a lot. You know, we live in the most connected time in the history of human existence. It does not take a lot for you to send a voice memo to somebody to say, hey, how are you? How's things? That's more personal than a text message, and it takes you 30 seconds to do. But we don't do it. We don't reach out to our friends in the same way that we used to. But if you're one of these people who does that consistently, what you'll find is not only will you have more relationships and more people in your network, but the richness of those relationships is going to be so much greater and as a consequence so much more powerful. But we don't do it because we, we don't have the skills anymore and I think we're, we're not used to having those kind of relationships. But if you can do it, good grief, it'll pay off. Yeah. No, and I think, I think the biggest disconnect that's seen today is that because a lot of people haven't experienced what it is to have those true meaningful relationships, they don't have that perspective on what it can mean to do it across multiple perspectives. Because again, if all you've seen is shallow and transactional relationships, you'll never really see the upside. Just as if, you know, you never see your true potential, how will you ever know what you could become? And so again, it's almost this idea of placing faith, placing faith in in relationships and yourself and what you're capable of and what others are, you know, what other intentions are. And then also having that realistic aspect of, you know, how am I making sure that I'm able to withstand if some things go wrong, right? It's having the preparation aspect. I don't think, you know, there's a balance of, of being an optimist and a realist, but I think the biggest one that I like to consider is your, the one, my favorite way of describing kind of these balances between, you know, pessimists and optimists and everything is being a bold, rational optimist. 
right? It's a positive outlook. It's looking at things through a good light, through a reasonable and rational light, and then being bold and realizing that if you're developing yourself into the character that's necessary in any given situation, no matter if things go wrong and things are sucking in that moment, you're able and have the strength to adapt and to come back from it. And I think that putting yourself in an area where you can hold through a value system, yet be able to adapt to the situation that you're in is a very powerful thing, not only for what you can do, but also in relationships. You know, a lot of times the people that you meet and connect with, they don't all need the same things from you. And just because you're able to service in different ways doesn't mean that you're changing who you are. And I think that's something that's important to realize. I like I've I've got some friends who need absolutely nothing from me. Okay. I can't outmatch them wealth-wise. I can't outmatch them status-wise. I can't give them anything that they actually need. And so how do you be a friend to someone who's got everything that the world tells us they need? Home, money, you know, status. You give of yourself. You know, you you make the time to reach out and actually care about that person in a meaningful way in a authentic way and you do that over a consistent period of time and what you build is credibility you build trust and you build a real relationship because you're not actually trying to get anything from them they're the kinds of relationships that people view when they see networking but they're also the kinds of relationships that don't actually result in anything meaningful it's about building by giving long before you ask for anything in return. Yeah, that's extremely well said. And I think it's something that when we're in this world of, you know, consume, because we're, we're the modern day society is a consumer based world, true, right? True. Everything that we're given is to consume. Social media is all this consumption, right? All we're doing is taking and taking and taking. And the problem is, is that people only think it happens in the social media based world. But once you start doing something in one area in excess, it starts spreading and overflowing into other areas of your life. Right. And if you go back are to disposable too. Yeah. And if you go back to this garden example that you had, you know, you have your plants that take time when you water them. But if you're not paying attention to what you're watering, weeds grow a lot faster than plants do. Mm-hmm. And weeds are the distractions and the things that are taking you away from what's meaningful, right? The things that are covering up the growth of those plants that you were watering. And so I think what happens is when we start to become producers in our own life and stop being such heavy consumers and we start realizing that the best form of living isn't taking, it's giving back. Yeah. And again, I know that when we talk about this stuff, it's really easy to take a soundbite and make this sound like a Tony Robbins concept. You know, I get that. And I want to be really careful and I want your listeners to know that we're not talking in cheap platitudes here. What we're talking about is looking at our lives and saying, where am I falling short and where am I causing myself to be in the situation that I'm in? You know, the the second metaphor, I, I love bonsai, right? I love it. I just think it's fascinating. I think it's beautiful to watch and beautiful to see. But the foundation of it is the soil. And we have to look at ourselves and say, like, what am I, what am I basing all this on? Like, what is the foundation here? And then at times you have to force branches to bend. You have to wire them to bend in ways they don't want to bend, which means you're going to have to be uncomfortable. And the reason we're talking about all of this stuff and the reason it can be so easy reduced to platitudes is because a lot of the time we're not willing to do the work 
that is required to make some of these changes last. And I hope that if you're listening to this, you're probably you're probably already wanting to become a better version of yourself and you're probably wanting to build the kind of life that you don't have right now, but you'd like to have in the future. That means you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. You also have to look at where you are contributing to some of these problems. And that's hard to do. And some of the some of those mistakes you're not going to be able to catch if you don't have those people in your life who you've built relationships with who can give you an honest assessment of maybe what you're doing well, but also what you need to grow in. Yeah. It's an important part that you mentioned that this isn't, isn't, and isn't meant to be a motivational speech. This yeah. isn't where you listen to this and you're, you know, you walk away pumping your fist. You're like, yeah, I feel motivated. I feel good. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to, you know, do what I'm meant to do. I'm going to find my purpose. And then you wake up tomorrow and you hit the yeah. snooze button and you go yeah. right back to that same routine that you just said you were going to get out of. And it's, and it's the difference between what you might think this is as a motivational speech in some states, in some cases, between what it actually is. And that's a source and a resource of information and knowledge from experiences, from learning, and from conversation that's, being, that's occurring right now that you can digest, that you can listen to one, two, three, four times, take the lessons and understand that our experiences are different than yours, but the lessons can apply to your life to prevent you from making the mistakes that we've already made or we've seen others make, right? It's an application-based system of those resources and those and that knowledge that's important to understand because the one thing that will change your life the only thing that will change your life is execution. If you do not act, nothing will change. No matter how much you will for it, no matter how much you think about it, if there's no execution, no change will follow. And everything that you consume will not matter if you are unable to execute. And it can be scary and it can be difficult, but you have to understand that if you want to see that change, if you really want to see what it is that you could hold in store that your potential has for you, that the best version of yourself is, you have to start now. Make a plan or don't make a plan, right? Obviously, I'd rather prefer you make a plan, but I'd also rather you start and start trying to change your life for the better by applying what you hear here today, what you hear in other podcasts, and what you've learned overall in life through your past. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I just think We've lived in a world where we've been so isolated, especially the last few years. We've been encouraged to be transactional in the way that we view our relationships, the way that we just, we look at things in a through a disposable lens. And I think I would just encourage your listeners to, you know, really kind of push back against that narrative and start to take total ownership of where they can improve to work deliberately to build relationships that are meaningful and have purpose where you're giving rather than taking and, you know, be, be open to making mistakes. Like, okay, you, you didn't get up at five o'clock when you meant to, okay, start again tomorrow. You, you want to learn about something, start, pursue something with some intention and some purpose. And if it turns out that that's not where you need to go, then, you know, take those lessons and apply them to the next thing. 
And in the process, you're going to become more confident. You're going to become more proficient. And each time you'll get a little closer to where you need to be. Yeah, that's very well said. And I completely agree with that idea of, you know, making that progress and, you know, starting to apply those things that we want to see change. So I think as we wrap up, I really want you to kind of reflect on some of the things that maybe you haven't said or some of the things that you think are very important, extremely important that's been said today and kind of give the people your key takeaways, some of the things that <laughs> with you, you know? My my elaborate, uh, outstanding wisdom for the world. <laughs> uh, I've mentioned bonsai before, right? Yeah. And there's there's a couple of reasons why I think it's just a very interesting and meaningful metaphor for how we approach our lives, but also our careers. You know, what a, a bonsai is not a species of plant. Any tree can essentially become a bonsai, but it's where you trim its roots, you bend its branches, you put it in a small pot and you deliberately shape a tree over many, many, many years. That means sometimes you grow a branch specifically so that you can cut it later in the tree's life. And I think that's a helpful metaphor because when you're looking to make change in your life, the first thing you've got to ask yourself is what is the foundation? Like what soil am I in? Am I in good soil where there's rich nutrients, so good relationships, good people, good situations, or do you need to change some of that soil? Also, do I need to make some changes in my life that aren't going to be particularly easy? Do I need to wire myself like a branch that doesn't want to bend? Do I need to make some difficult changes? Because if I want this tree to look a certain way, if I want my career to be a certain way, if I want my relationships to be a certain way, maybe I have to make some changes that I don't particularly want to make. Do I need to cut some branches? Do I need to look at the influences and the people in my life that maybe aren't encouraging me to make the right decisions and do I need to remove those branches which at times can be difficult but necessary and then ask yourself are you feeding yourself with the right things are you taking care of your life holistically so we talked about how our profession is and our sole purpose in life am I taking care of my health my emotions spiritual life uh, professional life relationships you know looking at yourself in a, a holistic way and I really want to be careful not to sound like I'm just throwing platitudes out here but I really do think that the biggest walk away or takeaway point would be to say wherever you are and whatever you're going through, ask yourself, not why is it happening to me, but how can I use this experience to become a better person as a result? And how good would it feel if I could get myself out of it? Yeah, I think for me, the big takeaway is, you know, as Epictetus once said, you know, how long are you waiting to demand the best for yourself? And demanding the best for yourself isn't just about unlocking your full potential and pursuing your purpose. It's all about giving everything you've got and everything that you do, being fully there and fully committed to what you choose to allocate your precious time to, whether it's building good relationships, not just transactional ones, whether it's going after the career that's meant for you, not just a career that suits your financial needs. It's this idea of being there, of being able to, like you said, shape that bonsai tree. And you have to do it deliberately and carefully and with your full attention. You can't shape it if you're looking in a different way. You can't mold it if your eyes are closed from what it is. So this idea of the message that you hear today, 
it's not about them. It's not about motivational speaking. It's not about throwing words that sound good, that sound inspiring. It's about the message of what you can do to change your life. It's not saying that it won't be hard. And it's not saying that it won't take time, but it is saying that it's something that's meaningful. And it's something that you had to take action upon. And only you have one, the responsibility, but two, the gift of taking advantage of. So as we wrap up, it's been a fantastic pleasure speaking with you, getting to know more about you. Where can people find you at? Yeah, people can head over to prelawpro.com, prelawpro.com. And then you can uh, get in touch with me there if you'd like to book a free consultation, you can do that through the website. There is a, that PDF that I mentioned, it'll be in the, the show notes that people can download. And I also have my own pro, uh, podcast called theprofessionists.com. And you can also just find that directly through prelawpro.com. Great. Well, again, thank you for your time, gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed this episode on the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. You know how we break it down. Chase greatness chase excellence, and chase the you from tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. If you enjoyed the message, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share this episode with a friend. You can find more about all our services and previous content on our website, www.thegentlemansatlas.com. Your support is greatly appreciated and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode.